You're listening to Unterwegs, the On Route podcast, where we talk about what it means to be on route with Jesus in our day-to-day life. Navigating life and faith in our complex and changing society is hard. Our goal is to keep you Unterwegs with Jesus, moving forward as you follow God's calling on your life. Welcome to episode 36. Today's episode really doesn't fit into any of the normal episodes that we've recorded. It's not with Stephen and Jenny and their cross-cultural transition, and it's also not in the five questions series that we've been doing. Our interview today is with a friend of the Picanado family, Ira Kapatinova, who's from Kiev and is currently living with her family about 150 kilometers, 100 miles outside of the city of Kiev, where she and her husband and their son fled. And she'll tell the story in the episode. You can hear that in just a few minutes. The audio quality is really good considering we recorded it over Zoom. Um, There are a few times where things get a, a little buggy and just ask you to be patient. With that, as you listen to Ira's story, I really do think that you'll find it interesting. I'm inspired by her, how she is raising her son, how she and her husband are interacting with the situations there, and how they're really seeking the best for their land and looking to find unique ways to bring glory to God in the situation that they find themselves in. So here's that interview with Ira. But welcome to Unterwegs, the On Route podcast. I'm here today with Ira Kapitonova, and Ira was in the church that I pastored when we were back in Staples. She came twice to Staples, Minnesota, once as a foreign exchange student, and then once as on a, on a working program. Is that correct? Yep. And stayed with friends of ours, and we got to know her well. And Ira is from Ukraine. And Ira, thank you for taking the time to, to talk with me today about what's going on in Ukraine and about how you and your family are doing. It was a long time since you were in Staples. Yes, uh, we counted it was 17 years ago that they left. 17 years ago. And so a lifetime has passed since you were you were there. How old were you when you were in Staples? Uh, I was 16 when I came. The first time, and then you came back a couple of years <laughs> later. Yes, then I came back in two years. I, was, uh, I had my 19th birthday when I was there. And you, you are married since then? Um, yes, uh, I am married. Uh, we got married in 2009, so it will be 13 years this summer. And our son is, uh, he will be eight years old in a couple of weeks. And you and your husband call Kiev home, correct? Yes. I came to Kiev to study in 2005, and that's where I've been living since. And you have been one of the biggest reasons that I have been back on Facebook in the last month because you've been posting daily updates. And today is day 36? Uh, no, 37. Today is day 37, 37 of the war on Ukraine. I heard that uh, another podcaster talking about it that way. Not the war in Ukraine, even though it is in Ukraine, but it really is this unjust attack, the war on Ukraine. And your daily updates have been really helpful for fueling my prayer life. So thank you for that. Thank you. It was, I remember the first post that I wrote, it was written actually uh, one, or no, two days before the war started. And um, we all had this 
anticipation or we all knew that it was going to happen sooner or later. And I remember I put my son to bed and um, as I was just staying there in the room with him, I just felt this urge, like this message that I had inside of me that I just had to share. So that's how I wrote my first post on Facebook, even though I didn't really have any big plans for that. It was just my way of sharing what was inside of me. And um, when I saw how many people were responding to it and many people, they um, messaged me and they said that they will be praying for Ukraine. And then that post became even more relevant after the war started. And so I felt every day like there was something that I felt like I have to share, not, not even want to share, but something that I have to share. So that's how it all started. And I'm really grateful for all the people who um, who pray with, with us and for us and who send messages with encouragement and you know this feeling that we are not alone. We are not. It's not just us. And uh, because we really believe that this war is not just about Ukraine. It's about the values and worldviews and powers and authorities. I read today that there are more than 4 million refugees that have left Ukraine in the last month. That's about one-tenth of the population of Ukraine. Is that correct? Mm -hmm. It's close to that, yeah. And that's not counting the internally displaced people like you and your family. You're not currently in Kyiv, are you? Uh, no, we left Kyiv on February 24th. We woke up at 5 a.m. when we heard the first explosion, and we knew that the time had come. So we um, we were mentally prepared for it, and we discussed what we would do if it starts and what we need to pack. Yeah, so we left on February 24th, and um, it was just a blessing because there was lots of traffic, and uh, many people, they weren't able to get out for a few days. And uh, we are currently, we're not too far from Kiev. We're about 100 uh, miles or 150 kilometers from Kiev. And we are staying with my family for the moment, as it seems relatively safe here. But leaving home, even though we are staying with family, leaving home is not easy. Mm. So I can only imagine what people who have to go to other countries, what they feel like. Yeah, there are more than 100,000 refugees from Ukraine here in Berlin. And the last couple of podcasts, we were just talking about kind of the impact of the closeness of the war and of seeing refugees here, what, 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 that, what that does to us and, and how, that, how that impacts us. But, but for you, that's got to be even more. This, these, are, these are your people and your friends and your family and your city. What is the condition in Kyiv right now? Um, it is hard to tell because uh, lots of our friends and neighbors, they, they stay in Kyiv. And so many of them, they, I, I just, I admire their spirit because I was talking to my neighbor uh, the other day and she said that they, they have a two-year-old son so they spend every night in a bomb shelter, but they uh, made it cozy there. They set up, they brought a microwave and they 
brought kettlebells and they have toys and they just organize games for kids. And uh, I just thought that I would go crazy if I had to live like that. Um, our other friends, they stay home. They don't go to the shelter every night just because it's not so easy for them. But they say that they would wake up a few times through the night because of explosions or just because um, they can't sleep. <laughs> so um, it's hard. Also, Kiev is a large city. So um, they also say that it's different depending on the city district. But praise God, uh, they have a good air defense system in Kiev. So there was damage, but it's not as bad as in other cities, um, especially those closer to the border with Russia. But people in Kiev, they try to they try to live, and that's what inspires me. And um, they plant flowers in the flower beds around their home. And you could say, who would be doing this? The war is going on, and no one knows what's going to happen tomorrow. And they say, well, but it's time, it's spring, so we are planting flowers because when we win, we will need flowers to, we will need something beautiful to look at. And um, yeah, thankfully, many stores in Kiev they are open. They may not have as big a variety of food, and also take forever standing in line just to get food and the prices also went up uh, because of the problems with supply but out of all cities that are under attack now I would say Kiev is is not doing as bad. You've made a, a habit or it seems to me like you're making a habit each day of of posting or trying to post messages of hope. What's bringing you hope right now? Um, you know, it would sound too Christian of an answer, but God is our only hope. And um, it actually, it's something that, that's been our hope for a while. And I know, um, the, so when we heard the explosions and we woke up at five in the morning, the first thing we did is we prayed. Because in these situations, you don't know what's going to happen. and. You know, some people, they would ask me, so what is your plan for tomorrow? And we say, well, we are not sure if we'll see tomorrow, so we can only plan for today. But every time when we uh, feel overwhelmed, we just come to God. And we know that something that is out of our power is in His power. And if we trust Him, then, then He will do what is best for us. I'm actually really grateful that God gave us prayer because as even as we were packing and uh, as we were walking from our apartment to our car in Kiev that morning, we were just quietly praying over our neighbors and just people that we saw. Like there was uh, guys with uh, garbage trucks coming to pick up garbage. So we would pray for them and we would pray for people standing in line. Um, trying to get money from ATM. And then our son's school, they had the Zoom prayer online that very morning, offering prayer for students and parents of, and for anyone who uh, wanted to join. 
we were in the car at the time driving out here, but we joined this prayer and it was an just an incredible encouragement because you know that you are not alone and um, you know that that God is in control and you're able to encourage others as well. And um, we often refer to the book of Psalms these days, even though I know that David and Old Testament people are the ones who wrote these Psalms, but they seem so relevant today. So every time I just praise God for his wisdom because he gave his word and he preserved his word so we can have it today and we can use it as a source of encouragement for us. And just every day we praise God for everything he does. And we notice small miracles, something that we take for granted in nor- during normal life. But now we understand that it is a blessing for God, just from God, because we know so many people who don't have those small things. How old is your son, Ira? Uh, he will be eight in a couple of weeks. You've posted some things just about questions he's asking or your interaction with him. It has to be really hard to be talking to your son about war. How is he doing? Yes. Um, he is doing good. <laughs> I mean, um, Russia started the aggression against Ukraine in 2014. And um, it, it all happened just uh, at the time when he was born. And I remember when I was still in the maternity ward and um, I would check updates and see if if it's getting really bad. <laughs> so he knew that the war is part of our life. Every night we pray with him before bedtime. And every time we would pray with him for protection over, uh, over our army and over those who live in the occupied territory. Uh, he knew that we are sending help to um, people who are there and we were helping some uh, internally displaced people. So um, he knew all about this. Uh, during Christmas, we went to visit our family and we were driving down a really bad portion of the road with terrible potholes. And that was the first time when my son said, did war take place here? What if war comes close? And it was still before the action, the big war began. And that was the first time when I knew that it's something that he's worried about. And so um, when we heard the explosions on uh, that morning, we woke him up and we told him that we need to leave. And we explained to him that it's because uh, Russia decided to start a bigger war. That made him really sad. I know that he has many questions. No, he doesn't ask me all of those questions, but just in conversations that he has with his friends, I understand that it's, it's not easy for him, especially um, now their school day resumed uh, online, online lessons. And his classmates, they are all over the world in different parts of Ukraine, in different countries. And for them just seeing each other uh, and talking each other asking how you are doing i see that it's both a blessing but also a challenge one of the hardest things for 
I think for me as a mom, is to help not become bitter because of all the things that uh, are going on. And even though he, he doesn't watch news and we really shield him from um, all the information, but he sometimes he gets really angry when he sees the, or when someone says that someone's house wasn't fire we try to make sure that it doesn't grow better but that he and that he understands that it is a um, consequence of sin in the world not just uh, and i mean sin is in general because we know that all the all the evil and all the um terrible things they do not um there are consequences of someone's poor choices, and one poor choice leads to another one. And so we talk to him, and we explain to him that you can, you know, when you are not kind to this one person, it may not seem like a big thing now, but it can cause long, long-term long consequences and lead to bigger problems. But, yeah, we have uh, our son, he is very insightful. And so we often have conversations with him that I am not ready for. Mm. And I think that he's too young to be thinking this way or to be asking these questions. But we're definitely learning from him as well. I'm sure this is forcing him to grow up in ways that are faster than his years should allow. Yes, and especially during the first first week or two weeks, um, I think, we were in this. I think it was the deep shock and even though we didn't really fully realize it and we would go about you know doing the routine things like eating and you know taking shower going to bed but I don't think I was fully present because you know I, we were still trying to cope with all of this and the way he was acting very mature he was trying to be together he would entertain himself he was acting very grown up and the only thing that would that would give away uh, was that uh, when it was time for him to go to bed, he would start crying for no reason or saying um, like one. I think one of the hardest things was that he was just crying uncontrollably, and he said, "Why was I born?" And so I realized that those are questions that he's struggling with, and. Um, we tried to explain to him that uh, we don't know why things happen the way they happen, but we know that um, God gives us life for a reason. And so uh, our best choice in this situation is to live our life in the way that would bring glory to God. And so, you know, trusting God with everything we do. And... Um, yeah, we told our son that we were praying for him uh, even before he was born, even before God gave him to us. And so we know that he's, um, he's here for a reason. Yeah, but one of the things that he does also to um, deal with all of this, to process this, he writes songs. They are not professional songs or anything, but he was would just come up with a tune and lyrics like God is with us so do not be afraid he will protect you wherever you go so go fight for Ukraine but give glory to God 
you know, he that's the main message of his songs. Mm-hmm. And he also draws the different superheroes with Ukrainian uh, colors, like with blue and yellow, saying this is the Ukrainian man, and he's the superhero, and he will defeat all the villains. Mm-hmm. So, you know, processing at his own level. Do you, I mean, I know Kiev, Kiev is not a small city, but do you by chance know a, a Yaroslav? Mm, I don't think so. Well, it's, it's fine. He, we happened to meet him when we were at a church in Watertown, South Dakota, and he's Ukrainian ministering in, in Kiev. And he's been sharing updates as well over email. And I know this is probably something that your husband is processing as well, but men in Ukraine have to stay in Ukraine right now. What what is the what is the timetable uh, before they would have to report to the military? Um, it depends, but um, the technically it is ninety day uh, period to report, and then there are different variations depending on what you do and um, on your uh, whether you served in the military or not, but. Um, yeah, it is, it's an issue. <laughs> yeah. Do you, do you mind talking about that a little bit? What, yeah. because it's, it's absolutely a family issue and I'm sure there are elements of, of faith that come into that as well. And then patriotism that all get lumped into one big ball of challenging decision, I'm sure. How are you guys processing that? Um, again, we were kind of talking about this back in 2014 uh, because um, we knew that it could happen. And um, my husband, he served in the military as the required military service. It was before we met. Initially, he didn't want to be drafted. Um, back then for for the required military service. And many people, they would bribe their way out of it. But for him, it was the decision. He said, um, if if I'm a Christian, if I say that, um, if I say that I'm Christian, but then I pay bribes not to go to the army, then how would I be able to preach to other people and just look them in the eye? So, uh, and when he ended up in the military service, um, it was 2000, it was in 2005. Um, he said um, it was a big challenge for him, but it was important for him to come close to God and just trust God with everything. In that time, he realized that the verse, um, from the Bible that there is no greater love than to give your life uh, for your brother. That's what's behind this required military service. And it's not, so for him, even back then he knew that if one day he has to fight and if one day he has to, to join actively, it would be for protection of those he loves. So on one hand, there is this, but on the other hand, it's something that 
you don't really want to do. And also, um, it's not something that you are trained to do because there are professional army people who, who have this best training. Um, for now, uh, my husband, he works in an um, IT company, and this seems to be the only branch um, that keeps working in Ukraine and the only source of uh, income for our economy. So um, there is this slight chance that he would be allowed to keep working just to keep to keep money coming into Ukraine. But we don't know if that's the case or not. There are many changes that will come if if he has uh, if, if he has to serve now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we may have to um, move or even cross the border. But um, yeah, those are decisions that will come if it changes. But as I said, all of our plans now are for one or two days in advance, not, mm-hmm. not more. We had talked earlier this week about about talking today. And when I wrote you this morning, um, your response was, I didn't realize it was Friday already. Do the days just kind of all run together? Yes. Uh, many, I, I saw it many times on Facebook that Ukrainian says that we still live in Thursday because it was Thursday when the war started. Mm. So that, um, that was the only, like the last day that we remember because um, the rest of the days, they just seem very similar. I mean, uh, most people, they don't go to work uh, because the work is suspended uh, indefinitely. Not much is going on. And uh, so you basically wake up in the morning, you check news reports, you see uh, how bad it is. And then uh, you just try to do something. If you live in, in a village, then of course you can work outside and um, work in the garden, and especially with the spring coming. But for people who live in cities, um, most of them are not allowed. I mean, uh, all cities, they have a curfew now in the evening. But even during the day, people would try not to go too far from home. Um, just in case there is a uh, air raid warning and you need to know where the nearest shelter is. I know some people who say, well, it's nice because we can finally catch up on learning a foreign language or you know, developing a new skill that we didn't really have time for before. Um, but yeah, all days they just kind of blend together. I heard another... Ukrainians say that people don't think of days of the week or weeks of the year anymore. It's how many days since the war began. Yes. Well, in our goal to keep our episodes to under half an hour, we're bringing today's episode to a close. The interview with Ira does go on and we'll be bringing you part two of that interview next week. As I said during the show, Ira has been making daily posts on the war on Ukraine. And if you are interested in seeing her posts and how she's interacting with them in this really amazing way of mixing prayer 
and Bible verses and her honest reactions and responses to what's happening, you can go to her Facebook profile. There is a link to that in the show notes and you can read and go back and read all of her posts during the war. If you would like to interact with anything that you've heard during the episode today, you can send us an email to podcast at envisionberlin.com or you can go to our Discord server and interact with us there. I'm putting some links in the show notes, including a link to Kama Services, which is one of the specializations of the Christian and Missionary Alliance that is raising money and sending aid to Poland and to Ukraine to help with the refugees. Ira has also given me a list of resources, people that she knows and trusts, that you can send finances to if you would like to support the work in other ways. Unterwegs, the En Route podcast, is a production of Envision Berlin AFAL and is produced, recorded, and edited at Sprig, Envision Berlin's creative space. Podcast music is by Mike Piccinato.